Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. is creating kingdom homes and um, for us to really uh, think about our homes. If you just close your eyes for a moment, I think we're safe to do this without anybody dropping off. Just picture your home, maybe standing out in front. I don't know if your, if your front door is straight off, off, the, off the road or whether you've got a garden in front of your house or a drive, whatever it might be, that doesn't really matter. But just picture your home and whether you're going through the front or through the back, through the side, just into that first part of your home. And you know, every part of your home, God wants to bless. Every part of your home, those places, those spaces that we're so familiar with, a hallway or a, a sitting room or a kitchen for the men, the bathroom, and wherever it may be, the bedroom. You know, God wants our home, our homes to be places of blessing to be a place where his kingdom is evident. It's not just for when we're out and about. It's not just for a Sunday morning, but our homes. And I don't know how you view your home, whether you view it as a, as a haven or as a hideaway or as a, a hotel, um, whether it's happy or hectic or wherever it might be. But God wants our homes to be places where we're blessed and we're a blessing to others as well. And uh, in the word of God, God's description about the home, you know, when, when God's people are, are in the wilderness, um, they were living in tents, living in shelters, moving around constantly. And God said, but I want to take you to pre-made, pre-built houses where you can rest and where you can have your own fig tree and your own vine. They were places of provision. They were places of blessing. God had already got them made for his people so that as they took the land, they would just move into these pre-made homes that already had matured gardens and plants and trees and olives and all of these wonderful things. And God's heart for us is that our homes are places of blessing. You know, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about God's will, what God wants happening in that place. It's where Jesus is known and seen to be king of kings, where there's an evidence of that in whichever way that is. Has anybody seen the the program Through the Keyhole? The old version used to be David Frost and Lloyd Grossman. Does everyone remember that? And the phrase was, he lives in a house like this. And uh, we'd have this kind of, it's Keith Lemon now, isn't it? It does it. Who lives in Alps like this or whatever he says. But obviously it was a case of some celebrities would be shown around a mystery home of a, of a mystery celebrity. And from the furnishings and the artwork and the style and the decor and what was, what was in that house would represent the celebrity. And they'd guess from the clues whose house it was. Well, you know, that's true for all of us. Our, our homes speak about us. They talk about us. They, 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 they silently speak about our personalities, about our tastes, about our likes, about what we enjoy spending our time doing. And you know, whatever our home is like, however big or small it might be, however um, you know, plush we might feel it is or isn't, our homes, whatever they are, can express something of the kingdom of God and our love for the king. 
And uh, God wants us to know that and, and to do that. And in Leviticus, there's clear descriptions. God is interested in his people. He's interested in them having clean bodies, clean clothes, clean homes, clean relationships, a clean diet, a clean community. Why? Because they were there to represent him to the world, to all of the nations around them. And it's the same for us as God's people today. He wants our homes to be blessed and to be holy and to be right. If you put the next slide up, our homes are microcosms of the kingdom of God. Oh, the, is that up there? There you go. That's a great word, microcosm, isn't it? When did you last? Just say microcosm. It feels good to say microcosm. But a microcosm is a community, a place, or a situation regarded as encapsulating in miniature the characteristic of something much larger. The kingdom of God is massive, isn't it? It's constantly growing, constantly extending. Sometimes it's sort of mind-blowingly big and, and universal and incredible. But actually our homes can be microcosms of the kingdom of God. Somebody can come into our home and experience and encounter and know what the kingdom of God is like. When they walk through our front door or side door or back door, whichever way you get into your house, through the window if necessary. But when they're in our homes, they experience something of the kingdom of God. And so what we'd like to do is, is just share some principles um, and, and some things that we believe for all believers, however different our homes are. And it, um, whether you live alone, whether you live with others, with a family or um, your, your husband or your wife or, or extended family, wherever it might be, that God wants our homes to express the kingdom. So Sarah's just going to share a little bit about um, the incredible things that God does in our homes. So, so in looking at our homes and the things that we can do in our homes, we looked a little bit at Acts. I don't think we have a slide for this, but um, I'm sure when you've read Acts, you will be familiar with some of these things that I'm going to draw out now. But so much happened within the home in the early church. You know, early church was born out of people gathering in homes. And we can a little bit these days wait to do church in our community building once a week to do kingdom stuff. Um, but actually, all of this started in the home. And I want to encourage us afresh today to think about how we can go back or renew ourselves to think about doing these things within our home. And I'm sure some of you are well out there doing it already, but just a fresh look. So in Acts, um, in Acts 2, there's loads of scriptures here. I'm not going to turn to them. I'm just going to flash through them. So in Acts 2.26, we see the believers um, breaking bread together, sharing meals together. So this is the believers joining together. And there was great joy and there was huge generosity amongst the people there. In Acts 9, um, we see that um, Ananias prayed for Paul to get his full sight back. He'd been blinded and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a home, Paul had his sight restored to him and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. People can be filled with the Holy Spirit in our homes. We can pray for that for them. Again, in Acts 9.32, um, Dorcas is raised from the dead. She's not in a hospital. She's not in a community place. She's in an upstairs room. And um, Paul goes in and he prays for her and he brings her back to life. Jesus brings her back to life through Paul. In Acts 9, uh, 43, we see Paul living with Simon the Tanner. 
great name, Simon the Tanner. <laughs> I don't fully know what that means, but anyway, Simon the Tanner. <laughs> he was what? <laughs> Very tanned. <laughs> But what we see is an example of hospitality. Um, there was a living, a sharing life that went on here. In Acts 10, 10, we uh, read about Peter on the roof. And he sees, is it Peter? Paul. Peter, Peter on the roof, um, seeing a vision, having a conversation with God. And we can see visions in our homes. We can have conversations with God in our homes. I'm sure we do already. Acts 12, 12. Um, we have um, people praying. There's a corporate prayer meeting going on within a home here. And then uh, Peter turns up. <laughs> Just knocking on the door. They've been praying for him and there he is. Um, in Acts 16, 33. There's salvation has taken place. In Acts 18, uh, 2 to 3, we see um, Peter living again, this time um, with Priscilla and Aquila. In Acts 28, we see um, Paul at the end of things. He's housebound, I think maybe under house arrest, yeah. Um, and he's at his home, and everybody that invites into his home, he preaches boldly about the kingdom of God. He teaches them about Jesus. You know, our homes are very practical places where we do our living, um, but we can do all of these things at the same time. We can pray for our friends, we can pray for our families, we can share the gospel with people, we can have people be healed, we can, we can have people raised from the dead. You know, let's not minimize what can happen in our homes. Our homes are really powerful places where we can express the fullness of the kingdom of God. We're going to be doing a bit of up and down. If we just put uh, two verses that I'd like to um, sort of parallel, really. Um, we've got Proverbs 3, 19 to 20, and the, the verse will come up on the screen. Feel free to look it up just to make sure that I'm telling the truth. But it says this, The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps were broken up and the skies drip with dew. And what's... The, the writer to the, uh, the, what Solomon who maybe wrote this describing, he's describing creation. And that as creation was established, as things were established in creation and founded in creation, it was by wisdom, it was by understanding, it was by knowledge. And then as those things were established in creation, there was blessing. The skies drip with dew, there's fruitfulness, there's blessing, there's abundance. And just hold those three things, those, the wisdom, the understanding, and the knowledge, and the establishing if you hold those things in your mind, and then if we jump to the next one, to the next Proverbs, Proverbs 24, 3 to 4, these same principles are in place. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge, something being established, something being founded. But this isn't creation now. This is what? It's a house. And I believe it's, there's a reference to the church, but I also believe we can apply this to our own homes. That in our homes, we can know the wisdom of God for our homes to be built you know, the understanding that comes from the Holy Spirit for things to be established. That he wants to give us the knowledge that we need so that our rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Isn't that a wonderful thought? That our homes are filled, filled 
with precious and pleasant riches. And you, so you've got this sort of parallel between creation and our homes, creation and a house, the establishing of, of all things and the establishing of our homes. And, and what we'd like to, to consider are three things that we see in creation that we also believe can be seen and should be seen in our homes, tying these two principles together. And, and in creation, we see three things about the nature of God very clearly presented to us. Genesis 1 is more about the creator than it is about creation. It's about God and the sort of God that he is. This kind of God's introduction to us of what he's like. And there are three things I believe we see really clearly in creation in Genesis 1. Firstly, God is a God of order. Secondly, God is a God of goodness. And thirdly, God is a God of power. God of order, goodness, and power. And God wants those three things as they are established in creation to be also established in our homes. That our homes are places of God's order. God's goodness and God's power. You say with me, order, goodness, and power. And the first thing I want to look at, power. I like the way everybody said that one at the end. That's good. Firstly, God is a God of order. You know, we see that outline, don't we? God formed and then God filled. God is not random in what he does. God is a God of order. There's nothing wrong with order. Order is good. God blesses it. If we didn't have a skeleton, we'd just be blobs of muscle and, and skin that was sort of flopping around. But there's an order, isn't there, that's been built into us that enables us to do what we do. And in creation, God forms on the first three days and then he fills what he formed on the next three days. So on day one, God forms the light and the dark. And on day four, God fills the light and the dark with the sun, the moon and the stars. On day two, God forms the sky, separates the waters of the sky and waters of the sea. And on day five, he backfills what he'd formed with the, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea. Can you imagine if God had gone done day five on day two and day two on day five, the fish and the birds are just floating around in space for four days until finally they find their homes. But that's not what God does. And on day three, God had established the, the land and plants and on day six he filled that with the animals and the creatures and then with Adam and Eve he's a God of order and God wants our homes to be places where his order is is clear and if you put the next slide up that's great so God wants us to be those who express these things in an order in our home and the first thing I want to talk about is team what I love about creation and what it reveals about God is God works as a team the Godhead the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's this incredible conversation that they have. Let us make man in our image. Great idea. Let's do it. And even in the description of creation, the Father speaks. The Son is the Word and the Spirit is hovering. Willed by the Father, the Word of the Son, worked by the Spirit. Even in creation, there's teamwork. And for order to be in our homes, it will require teamwork. Now, if you live, anybody here live alone? Live by yourself, just Susan. But you're not alone because the Spirit is with you and you can team with the Holy Spirit. So this is really important that we understand this. Whether you're there by yourself or with others, there's a sense of team. You're together. The Holy Spirit is in your home because he's in you. <laughs> and we see this necessity and understanding the importance of team. For us, for Sarah and I, we recognize that, that we work as a team. We, we put that into our children, that this is our home. This is our shared environment. Therefore, we have shared privileges and shared responsibilities. 
we, t- we pitch in together, we, we teamwork together to make things tidy, to make things clean, to do jobs, to do chores, to do whatever's needed to keep our house in order. I just want to encourage all the, the husbands here. You know, after Jesus had defeated sin, defeated death, gone to the grave, plundered hell, led all the enemies in triumph, he comes back and he raises from the dead. And what's the first thing that he does before he leaves the cave? Folds. His grave clothes. The king of glory has enough time to fold up and clean up after himself, make sure everything's tidy before he leaves. And if Jesus is doing that, then so should we. To be supportive in everything that we do, to express team. Sarah brought that point out to Bible Week, so that's totally hers. It's a great point. And uh, it was my turn to share it, so. But you know, in everything that we do, we can express team and, and order and headship. And, and submission and, and serving one another and helping one another. The next thing we can do is have a tidy home, which uh, I know we all have uh, homes in a different place with regards to tidiness. But um, in creation, God separated, formed, and filled. Everything He created functioned perfectly, it looked beautiful. Everything was put in its proper place. And, and we think that our homes should reflect this as well, that there is a place for everything in our home. Um, and that doesn't mean that we live in show homes at all. We know what it's like to have small children in a home. <laughs> and um, I think if you put a video camera up and you recorded what goes on in a home, at times and fast forwarded, it would be quite amusing to watch the evolution of what can go on even in just a single daytime. Um, but I think it's, um, it's important to spend a bit of time at the end of everything to bring things back to order, to bring, bring things back to a place where they can function well. So they look beautiful. And it's not about having designer things. It's not about, um, it really isn't about that. It's about just having a a place where you can be comfortable, where people can be invited in because there's space for them. You know, I've spoken to people before and they say, oh, my house is such a mess. Couldn't have anybody come in. You know, God doesn't want that for us. He doesn't want our homes to be in such a mess that you don't feel confident to invite people in. Um, he wants us to spend a little time putting things back where they belong. And we've already said, you know, this is a family activity and it's constant. We often will say, how can, how can you not constantly tidy? Because after being there for just a short time, it gets really messy really quickly. So it's a constancy. Um, for me... If my home is messy, that represents me feeling a bit messy in my head. Um, I don't function as well in a messy home. Um, There are times when it gets messy because you're doing something, you know, you're being productive, you're getting something done, but at the end of it, I have to tidy up again because otherwise I literally slow down. 
I literally just am not able to be as productive as I need to be. And we do need to be productive. There's a lot to get done in a daytime. There's a world out there that needs us to invite them into our homes, to greet them, to save them, to, to raise them from the dead. You know, we've got lots to do. So we need to have our homes in a place where they function well to enable us to do what we need to do. Um, if you are writing notes, or if you're really good at remembering, um, I'm going to ask you a few questions at the end, and I want you to have a think about them when you go home. But before I do that, I just want to talk to you about timing. Uh, so in creation, God added a little bit more to the world each day. He built on what he'd previously done. Um, and this represents there being a time for day, a time for night. There are seasons. There are seasons that take place within our home. Um, we have many different seasons. There are times when we are alone in our home, where we're sharing our home, where we've raised our children and they've left the home. Um, there are lots of different seasons within the home. Um, but as Richard said already, we're never alone. God is always with us. He's always wanting us to experience kingdom for ourselves and other people within our homes. We wanted to um, highlight that there are times for us to have an open home and there are times when we need to have a closed home as well. You know, we look at Jesus and there were times when he drew away to be by himself, to be private. He needed privacy at times to be alone with God. And so our homes are never to be always open and they are never to be always closed. In our homes, we have something to share. We have something to show the world. And so the world needs to come into our homes to experience the kingdom of God. So we need our homes at times to be open. But there are times when family needs to be private to get on with being family, to develop themselves, to, to create kingdom amongst themselves. And we need wisdom to discern what season we're in. We need um, wisdom to understand when to open our home and close our home. And I believe that we have an authority to rule in this. You know, give, God gives us an authority to rule. And this might mean saying yes and no to different people at different times. And that is okay. It's okay before God to rule within your home. There was, when the children were very small, um, I used to have Monday as my cleaning day. I knew that if I cleaned on Monday, it would take the whole day because I'd have three little helpers. But I knew that if I did that on a Monday, the rest of the week, I could do what I would like to do. And I could invite anybody into the home at any time because it was in a situation and a place that I was comfortable to have people come in and do it. It did mean at times that I would say no to invites to go and do things on a Monday to clean, which seems really naff, you know. Why are you wasting your life cleaning? But actually for me, it released me for the rest of the week. I spent one day getting things in order, getting on top of things, and I was released to do whatever I needed to do for the rest of the week then. <coughs> so, 
a couple of things to have a think about and have a chat about if there is someone that you're sharing your home with. Does your home represent the order of God? How is your team functioning? And is your home tidy enough to function well? So just a few things for you to have a little think about with this. Next thing we just want to talk about then is not only order but also goodness. And uh, God's assessment every day was, it's good. <laughs> this is good. And it doesn't mean it's, we taste and see that the Lord is good. And they can taste and see the Lord is good in our homes. You know, in Ephesians 2 says, we're, uh, 10 says, we are God's handiwork created to do good works that he's planned for us in advance. I believe so many of those things are to take place in our homes. Mother Teresa said, love begins at home and it is not how much we do, but how much, we, how much love we put into what we do. Love begins at home. It's not how much we do, but how much love we put into what we do. And the goodness of God to be evident in our homes is really powerful, really significant. It represents and it reveals the kingdom of God. So Sarah's going to pick up these uh, three points. So God is good. Amen. <laughs> and he's prepared good works for us to do. Um, he shows his goodness through his kindness, his patience, his love, his faithfulness. His goodness is in us. We represent his goodness. We show his goodness. And we can express his goodness. And where better to start to do this in our homes? Where better to learn about showing God's goodness than in our homes? Romans 2, 16 says that Jesus will judge everyone's secret life. And sometimes the life that we have within our home can be a little bit secret. <laughs> you know, unless you share a home with someone, you don't really get to know them, I don't think. Um, but God wants us to be good and filled with his goodness in that secret place. He wants there to be very little difference between who we are in our home and who we are outside the home. So that when you see me here today and, um, and get to know me, I'm the same as when I'm in my home. That I'm not one level of goodness here and another level of goodness there. He wants us to be the same throughout. Um, with regards to goodness... God wants our homes to be pleasant, to be positive, and to be plentiful and provision. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> but with regards to um, our homes being pleasant, you know, in creation, God created a huge diversity of different things, and they were all good. And he makes us all different, and our homes are all different but they can be pleasant. And they're not pleasant because they've got scented candles in them and they smell great or because they're, you know, overly tidy. But they're pleasant because God's goodness is in us, in our homes. His kindness is in us, in our homes. And we can show our family his goodness um, through who we are in our homes, through 
um, his grace that we can extend to one another through his love that we can share with one another. We make our homes a pleasant place by being really welcoming. Richard has an auntie and an uncle called Dave and Carol, and um, they are just amazing at being welcoming. There is no way you enter their home and don't feel that they've anticipated your arrival. They squeeze you until you can barely breathe. They are just almost jumping on the spot with excitement to see you. And you get there and you feel so anticipated, so loved, so appreciated. It can be a little overwhelming, but it's good overwhelming. And then when you leave, they stand on the doorstep and they wave until you can't see them anymore. They, they just are so good at making you feel welcome. And I've learned from them about welcoming people into my home and to do a better job at being welcoming because of the experience that I've had from them. Our homes are to be a place where positivity lives. In creation, God spoke clear, positive words. They were words that created life. And we can create an environment in our home that is one of growth. Um, and we can do this by the words that we speak. In Colossians 4, 6, it says, Let your conversations always be full of grace and seasoned with salt. It says always. It's not just when you're outside with your friends at work. It's in that secret place in your home as well. Let your conversation always be full of grace. It says in Ephesians 4.29, don't use foul language or foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those that hear them. You know, we try really hard when we speak to one another, to highly regard one another so that our words are good and kind. And that does us good and it does our children good. They hear them. They hear how I speak to Rich and how he speaks to me. Um, it's good. It does people good to hear good and encouraging things. Um, and I'm not um, deluded about this. You know, I know <laughs> what it's like to be in a relationship. Um, we do have arguments. <laughs> <laughs> we do have arguments and disagreements, um, and they happen within the home. It's, <laughs> it's where the nitty-gritty of life gets done. Um, it's where we can practice applying kingdom principles so that we can... Um, practicing, sorry, so that we can not let the sun go down on anger, so that we can ask for forgiveness... We can exercise forgiveness. Um, we can learn how to deal with these things so that we're creating a good and positive environment. The last thing with regards to goodness in our homes is provision. God created rivers to water the garden. He provided seeds that would become trees that would produce fruit. There is provision. And our homes, I'm so grateful for our home. It's the provision of God to us and we all have a home and that's a provision that God has given to us for us and for us to share with others. Um, 
we shared some time with Roger and Diane Aubrey and they were talking about sewing and, and how we can sew things within our home. And, and Diane spoke about sewing beds. You know, she will always give a bed to someone that needs a bed because she believed that in doing that, she was sewing. She would sew a bed so that when her children needed a bed somewhere, they would always have a bed because she'd provided beds for other people. We can use the practical things that we have in our home to sew to other people. And it's not just practical things that we can sew. We can sew friendship. We can share meals with people. We can provide a place for those that are lonely, to know comfort, to know togetherness. We can um, provide so many things for one another and for others, for your friends, for your families, for your neighbours. And and this probably all sounds really quite simplistic, but it's so powerful to invite people into your homes and I was just speaking to Mandy where are you Mandy and and um, she was telling me how she'd um, she'd sewn some furniture to somebody recently and, and when they came to collect it she'd invited them in for a cup of tea and they were really surprised that she was prepared to invite them in to her home um, because it's not done these days um, so it's a little bit radical what we're talking about this morning um, but it we can do it. You know, we have the Holy Spirit within us. He will reveal to us the things that we can sow. He will reveal to us the people that need us um, to invite them into our homes so they can experience the kingdom of God. So your little questions now then are, does your home represent the goodness of God? You know, in all of these things, it's not to bring any condemnation or anything like that. It's just a moment to reflect how can we make our homes even better how can we make our homes even more pleasant even more positive and how can you have your home be a place of provision for others she's got a mental picture of diane Aubrey scattering beds all over the place sewing beds you know so homes for places of order, places of goodness. And then the last thing I want to talk about was places of power. You know, it's incredible to think, isn't it? God just spoke the word, let there be. Let there be light and pow. And then for another three days, there's no other source of light until he creates the sun. And then it's the sun does its job and the moon does their job. But it's just light that's been spoken into being. And, um, you know, God wants to, uh, God wants us to encounter, to experience and to give, share his power with others in our homes. That's what a kingdom home is all about. And when we talk about power, I'm not talking about an ethereal source or, or force or anything else. When we talk about power, we're talking about a person, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Power is a person. Okay, says Jesus says, if you love me, this is in John 14, 17, uh, 15 to 17, John 14, 15 to 17. If you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Isn't that amazing? There's an advocate, there's a source, a, a person who's powerful, who's like, just like Christ, who's going to help us 
and be with us forever in our homes. He says, and Jesus says, this, this person I'm describing is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor, nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. This power is a person and he's in us and he's with us and he's here to help us in our homes so that we can see and experience and taste the powers of God, the power of God in our homes. And, um, you know, when God created, he created powerfully through his words. And our words, we know this, don't we? Our words are so powerful. Sarah referred about being positive with our words and, and that we can speak words of life that will transform the environment, transform the atmosphere of our homes so that whoever's in that home at any given moment, whether it's our own family, whether it's just me and the Holy Spirit or whether we've got friends in, but words of life that can speak power in, and, and words will d- deliver power into our homes. The power of life and death is in the tongue, it tells us in James. There are some times when we need not to speak because what we know what, we know what we're going to say next isn't good. And we withhold speaking until we're ready to say something that is right and, and, and is going to um, bring life, not death. That we should speak in tongues in our homes, out loud, to worship in our homes with songs and to speak the word of God out loud in our homes. That when things need to be addressed, that we're praying together out loud in our homes. Words of power. And then the power of worship in our homes. And I'm not just talking about putting hill songs on in the background. And if you don't do that, then you're not going to be blessed. I'm not saying that. Beth will do some great stuff as well. No, um, You know, obviously it's great to have worship music playing. That's fine. It doesn't matter if you want to listen to BBC Radio 1 or Radio 4 or wherever else. It's not about that. But it's just about that worship floods and fills our homes. And that everything that we do, we want to honor God. And, you know, even the mundane stuff that we do. Sarah's talking about the, the, her cleaning day on a Monday. But actually some things, we, 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 we should do all things unto the Lord. And even the mundane stuff, we do it. And we say, Lord, actually I'm doing this to honor you. Because you've given me this home. And, and what I'm doing right now, I'd rather not do it. But this is an act of worship. That we're sacrificial. That we're, we're blessing others. And, and it may mean that we sing in our homes. Does anybody know Harry and Phyllis Tetley? Really met them in the Stony Standing Congregation. Whenever you go to their home, they will always worship. They will, they'll, they'll, they'll always sing. In fact, you don't have to go to their home. In a garden center, they will stop people, have a conversation, and they say, is it, is it okay if we just sing for you? What do you say to that invitation? It's like, uh, okay. And then, you, you know, Harry will be there. How great is our God in Palmer's garden center. It's hilarious. But in they, what they've inspired in and, and reminded me of is, is the power of worship in our homes. And sometimes you sit there and it's a little bit awkward initially. <laughs> they start singing. But then inevitably what happens is you, God, God's name is being honored in that place. And it might be a bit quirky and it might be a bit odd. But actually you come away feeling encouraged. You come away feeling like you've, you've been in, in the presence of God. And whatever way we express our worship. As Sarah said earlier, we're all different. We all have different homes, different personalities. But the things that we do. The, the, the power of worship in our homes is really significant. And then the last thing we just want to say today about the, the, the power is, is then the witness of God. It tells us in Romans and it tells us in Psalms that creation reveals the awesome power of God. That in creation we see that, well, guess what? In our homes, our homes can be a witness and a testimony to the awesome power of God. Sarah's already referred to some things. You know, we've, we've had people in our homes and we mustn't, 
save the gifts of the Spirit, especially for a Sunday. The gifts of the Spirit to be outworked in our homes, in our workplaces, in, 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 in the marketplace, wherever we are, in our schools and colleges. But in our homes, surely actually our homes are some of the, is, is, is one of the best environments for the gifts of the Spirit to be evident. Talks about showing mercy to others. Isn't the home one of the best places to do that? To show kindness and generosity, to see healing, to see faith imparted, to see words come of encouragement, prophetic words, words of wisdom, words of knowledge when, you're in your, when we're in our homes. There have been times for us when we've sat with people and uh, there was one couple in particular, they'd, they'd suffered a, a miscarriage and it was right at the beginning of the year and, and they came to see us in our home and as we talked to them both, Sarah and I both had a word to say, by the end of this year, you'll have a baby in your arms. And we didn't share that with them immediately because we both had it separately. But in the conversation that we'd had afterwards, we both had a real conviction and we'd, we agreed that we should tell them this. Because it's a big thing to tell someone when they suffered such a big loss, isn't it? You don't, you don't go in with words like that, uh, you know, hoping that for the best. <laughs> but we had a conviction that we had a word of the Lord for them because we had it separately and we, we agreed. And we shared it with them. And sure enough, just before the beginning, before New Year's Eve, they had a, a newborn baby in their arms. And the prophetic word came in our home. Why not? You know, we've, we've served people in our homes. We've taught in our homes. We've encouraged people in our homes. We've been taught in our homes. We've been encouraged in our homes. We've given and we've sowed um, a room to, to, for a couple to stay with us for a number of months. On a few occasions, we've, we've led people. We've cared for people. And we've received those same things ourselves in other people's homes. And so just for us to know the evidence of the power of God and the significance of that and the, t- the witness and the testimony. Just in, in one of the last things I want to say is, you know, we, um, we once had uh, lived on a, our first home that we lived in. There was a, a couple, just a couple of doors up from us called uh, Christian and Julie. And they weren't Christians. And we invited them to our home for life, when, when Life Group met in our home. And to our amazement, they actually said yes. And then to our even greater amazement, they actually turned up with biscuits. It's like, wow, the world get this better than some Christians. And then... And our plan for the evening was prayer. So we were thinking, oh man, Christian and Julie, eight weirdos, uh, Christians gathered together to pray. You know, what's it going to be like? We're in a big circle. How awkward are they going to feel? And we're like, should we do something different? Should we get the fondue out instead and do a social? And uh, we really felt, no, we need to just stick to what we're doing. Don't change things for them. We'll just, we'll just pray and trust that God will bless it. And you know, it was amazing. We sat together in the circle. We had a really great time of prayer. Julie prayed twice. Then Christian prayed once or twice. So they prayed more than some of the Christians who came. And they both came to a faith. And they encountered God in our homes. And we didn't try and change things for them to be palatable. We were just who we were, doing what we're doing in our home. And that witness, that power is really significant. We need to understand how powerful our homes really are. The kingdom of God that already resides within us and is in us and in our homes already to discern that. Sarah said, we're not saying you're not, we're not doing this. We're just saying to be aware of it and to, to understand that God has this for us. Our homes are places of power. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.